Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, and welcome to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. We are so excited about the show. Today, I have a special guest, my husband, Noah. Noah, thank you for being here. Thanks again for having me. I'm so excited that you and I have started this just so that we can share our story. Noah and I said yes to six babies in five years. We finalized on three children and we have three disrupted adoptions. And that just means that three did not go through. And it's been a journey. It hasn't always been easy, but we've seen God's hand through it and together decided to start a show about our experience and other people's experience. And the whole goal really of the show is to connect families to information and support and really to encourage and challenge our listeners. We wanted to start the show by telling our story first. So last week, we started talking about our first adoption, AJ. We finished our home study and waited two weeks and we got a stork drop. And I always joke about that, saying I wanted a stork to bring a baby, you know, because I wanted it to be really easy. And it's funny because it really was a stork drop. That's actually a term in the adoption world that we use when a baby is at the hospital waiting to be adopted. You don't have any interaction usually with the birth mom and you haven't known ahead of time that you've been waiting for a baby. You just get a call one day, baby's in the hospital. So our first experience was a stork drop. And what we were told, if you listened to last week's show, and you can listen to that on podcast, but what we were told is that this baby had medical issues. Um, Remember, we had said no to medical issues and um, that he may never walk and talk or anything, that something was wrong with his brain. And after testing, we found that he was going to be a healthy baby. Six months later, we finalized and we were just really excited about adoption. We were ready for the next baby. Yeah, adoption just seemed like... We got this. This is cake. Yeah, this is going to be great. We're going to adopt all our babies through adoption. This is amazing. We were just so in love with AJ. He is just, he's always just been a special, amazing kid and very bonded to us, very connected and everything we've ever prayed for in a child. So why why not go for baby number two? So a year later, we got a phone call from someone that Noah knew, and we're going to call her Linda. Right. So Linda calls us and she says to me, I've taken in this Hispanic pregnant mom who's lost her two older girls to the foster care system and she was trying to help her get them back. So the birth mom had her baby and works really hard to fight for her parental rights. The only way that she could do that, though, was to actually live with Linda and the two girls. So Linda told us that this birth mom really was disappointed that this baby was a boy. She didn't want anything to do with the boy and really didn't want to take care of her. So Linda suggested to the birth mom, why don't you look at adoption just so so you can focus on the women or the girls, not the women, but the girls and take care of them and then reach out to us and talk to us about adopting the little boy. Honestly, when Noah called me and said this whole scenario, I thought it was a little weird. Uh, The baby at the time was nine months, but we did agree to meet with the birth mom and talk to her. And so we had this meeting and she said, I just want to know that this baby is going to get an education. And we said, well, absolutely. And she said, okay, here's the baby. And we're like, no, you can't, you can't hand us the baby. There's a process. You have to go to our agency. You have to get counseling. You have to sign a lot of paperwork. And we just, everyone wants to make sure that this is what you really want to do. 
And she was like, yeah, I just want to take care of my girls. I finally got them back. And, you know, I just think Peter would have a better life with you. So we called our agency and we made sure that they connected and she went for all the counseling she got. She went through all the hoops to give up this baby. Yeah. And one of the things that our agency had told us when they're going through the therapy uh, was the concern about her schizophrenic episodes and also the connections to the Mexican drug cartel. So that made us a little leery, but she did go through every single appointment she had to go through. She signed all the paperwork and the day that we were supposed to get him was a day, the day before Thanksgiving. We met with her and she seemed like she was very, very serious about her choice. Yeah, and completely on board. So she handed us the baby and she left. And AJ was really excited to get a new brother. And um, we were excited, of course, like, how does this, how did this happen? This is so great. And even though he was nine months and we were interested in infant adoption, we still felt like this was, this was great. We were going to bond to him and it was going to be a, a good connection and, and our family was complete. And as soon as we took him home, we realized he was very sick, very lethargic. We just knew something was wrong. And so we took him to urgent care. Now, remember, this is the day before Thanksgiving. So that was really the only thing open. Um, it happened to be that our pediatrician was there. Was he there? Or was he on call? I think he was there. So he shows up, he does x-rays, and he finds, because the baby was coughing, coughing, so he wanted to see if there was pneumonia, did x-rays, finds a button, in what looked like a button lodged yes. in his throat. Yep. So he said, you need to go down to Children's right away. So we're rushing the baby down to Children's. We get Noah's family comes down to take care of AJ, and we're walking into the hospital, and the birth mom texts me and says, I changed my mind, I want my baby. I, I couldn't believe it when April looked at me and said, you're not going to believe this. My heart just sank. I, I'm sitting here going, wait, she did what? But we had to go in and get the baby medical help. I mean, we just had to keep going forward. So I texted her and said, well, we're at Children's Hospital. And she freaks out and says, I'm on my way down there. So we go in, we talk to all the doctors and we say, hey, this is a crazy situation. We want to get him medical help. We are the legal guardians. But the paperwork, because it's a weekend, hasn't gone to the courts. The courts, And so the birth mom is saying she's going to come here. And they're kind of like, oh, my goodness. Well, the baby needs medical treatment right away. So since you are legal guardians, let's just go forward. And so the social workers were called. They come in. We're all sitting there trying to explain the story. The social workers are like, we're going to stop birth mom from coming back here and make sure that this baby gets medical help and try to figure out what's going on in the situation. Four hours later, four hours, she shows up and she sneaks through, somehow gets past the guards. They yep. said, don't let her back here. And they let her back here, uh, back to our room. And she's telling everybody, I want my, that's my baby. She like bursts onto the scene and we were all kind of shocked because we had just been told, don't worry. We've basically put a, a block on her to be able to come back into this, into this doctor's office. So the social workers say, we're really sorry, Noah and April. There's really nothing we can do. We're not going to let her take the baby home. He's going to be in the hospital for quite a few days. But we really can't give you guardianship if it hasn't gone to the courts. And if she's saying she wants the baby back, we're just really sorry. And I'll never forget leaving the hospital with this empty baby. Mm. Baby carrier. It was just uh, no baby, just no baby. the baby carrier. 
and going home and telling our family and and telling AJ, you know, because he's like, where's my brother? And thinking, how is how did this just happen? You know, just a whirlwind. And if you've had a loss ever, if you um, maybe you had a miscarriage and, and they're different, I, I do understand they're different, but a loss is a loss. And, and for a mother's heart, it is really, really hard to understand what's going on and to be happy. I mean, the next day was Thanksgiving and I did not feel like being happy. I was grieving because we thought our family was complete and now this is happening. It was such a difficult Thanksgiving. I'll never forget that. It was one of the biggest shocks to me at that point in my life with adoption. So we get a call that in a couple of days that Peter is um, going to be released and they're going to take the baby because what they found is not only a button, they found carpeting, a spiral, what they find? A spiral a, a, notebook? A spiral binding for a notebook, yeah. And what they, the conclusion that they came to is that he was starving, that she had been starving him and so he was grabbing whatever and, and swallowing it. And so they were going in and taking all the kids away from her. So she's going to lose, at this point, parental all, rights for all. All three. Three. So they placed them with us. So we get all three kids, which now is a little bit confusing for AJ as well. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't know what was going to happen. We were planning on, hey, let's just foster them. And let's just ride this out. And let's just love these kids. Yep. And within, oh, 48 hours, we get a call from the social worker. And she says this birth mom is threatening you. She's talking about calling the drug cartel and threatening your family. So we have to remove the children, place them into safe homes where she doesn't know where they are so that you guys are safe. Right. The kids couldn't even go back to Linda's. No, they couldn't even go back to Linda's. So now Linda's lost those two girls. Everybody's like up in the air. And we were thankful that the state really took our safety um, first and removed the children. But we thought... At this point, if she's abusing them, couldn't we still adopt Peter? And they said, well, we're going to place him in another home, and then we're going to kind of ride this out and see what she wants to do. So we didn't hear anything for two months, three months. Yeah. And three months later, we get subpoenaed to court. It was crazy. Uh, I I never thought it would be such a heartbreaking feeling. We go to court, and just to testify against her, she's sitting there, and you know, just seeing her and then seeing the people in the courtroom and seeing the jury and the emotion that they experienced because of what we testified, and especially when the foster mom testified. So the foster mom had had the baby for three months, and she just testified about the abuse. And when when the birth mom was able to see him, that he would just scream and cry. And they said, well, you know, her, her lawyer said, well, don't you think he's just screaming and crying because he misses her? And the foster mom just looked at the jury and it was just so clear no he is screaming and crying because he's terrified and you know I I would say this if I could go back what I know now is I would have personally gone up to the birth mom and talked to her instead of being angry and upset and confused I think I would have just gone directly to her and said we aren't taking your baby we just want to raise him and love him and almost had a conversation to see if I could get her to agree to termination of rights. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can, if you are at that place with a birth mom, I would just really give you the advice to say, dig deep, dig really, really deep, pray really, really hard, go beyond yourself to reach out to her because I didn't. And I, I always think back, if I could have said something, 
you know, maybe I could have changed that situation. He um, stayed in the foster care system for four years. We just found out she just terminated rights. And um, so, or she just lost her rights. So four years later, those kids were bounced around. And then we found that out because just last week we got an Amber alert that she went to the school and stole one of the kids after she lost rights. So those kids were adoptable and she took them. And so the police were looking for her. And so now she's in custody. That birth mom is in custody. But what a crazy ride that was. That was our first experience in the foster care uh, system in Colorado. And we decided, okay, we are going to go out of state for the next one. This was a big loss for us. And so when we come back, we're going to talk about going out of state, going to Florida, and uh, trying to adopt a baby girl. You're listening to Adoption Now. This is April Fallon. Lyman is listening to the Mighty 670 KLT Denver. From the Bible, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 46, 1. The Bible Speaks on 670 KLT, a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station. Faith and Family Radio, KLT Denver. Hi, welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. We are so excited to tell these stories. They're not easy to tell. Noah is my special guest today. Noah, thank you for being here. This is hard. It's so difficult. We did not expect to be teary when we were talking or to have so much emotion, but when you love children, you forever love them. Whether they're in your home forever or they've just been in your home for a short time, I know that if you have a mother and father heart, you just always think about them and you pray for them and you love them. And now that we know that Peter, who we talked about in the first segment, now that we know, even though it's been four years later, he is adoptable. We are so happy for all the kids because now they get to be adopted and in forever homes. And at the end of the story, we just had to believe that God was in it. And even though it took a long time, we're just so, so happy that we got to be a part of that story. So after all of that happened and we were, you know, grieving over a loss, we decided that we were going to go out of Colorado. Yeah, we were done trying to adopt through Colorado law. We had tried through foster care system. And when we adopted AJ, yes, it was successful. But that six-month waiting period was really difficult for us. So we looked into other states that do a faster adoption, meaning that the mom's birth mom's rights, birth dad and mom's rights are terminated right away. And you get to finalize much faster. So we found that Florida and Utah are two states that handle adoption that way. So we decided in Florida we were going to go for it. We had no idea how to get there. We contacted our agency and told them this is our plan. They said, okay, we're going to update your home study. And then we'll just wait for you to tell us if you've been matched in Florida. And we know how to do all the ICPC paperwork so you can go you know, come back into the state, which you have to do. So make sure if you're going to go out of state, you find an agency that knows how to do that paperwork. So everybody was on board. We just didn't know what to do. I'm sure if you know, sometimes when you're trying to start your process, you're like, where do I go? What do I do? And we didn't have any connections in Florida, so we didn't know. All of a sudden, we get this call from our neighbor and she says, hey, guys, I see a baby being posted on Facebook. 
April shows me this post and I kind of laugh thinking there is no way this is real. It's got to be a hoax that there's nobody, nobody that would ever post something on Facebook for adoption. So we looked into it and we saw that it was a birth mom and she was due in a couple months. She was going to have a girl. The little girl was going to be Colombian. And we said, okay, I don't even know how this works. We called the lawyer. He said, you send me your profile and I show the birth mom. And if she picks you, you're matched. So we did that. We were matched. And he said, send me $8,000. So we send $8,000. Really not even, un- really not sure w- how what, that he works. Was, yeah, what he was doing with it. So 5000 for a retainer. And then he said, in Florida, you are responsible to take care of the birth mom's, you know, fees, such as her living, can be her rent, whatever it takes to take care of the baby, you can be in charge of that. So it can be up to $1,500. So $1,500 a month. Yes. Yeah. So we expected that at this point he was going to give the birth mom money. She was going to start her medical care and um, everything was fine. Well, two weeks later, she disappears. Just gone. We have no idea where she went. No clue where if she's ever going to show up again. And the lawyer says, sorry, you're out the money. Nothing I can do about it. And so I'm crying, of course. I'm like, oh, we just lost this baby, Peter. And now we've lost all this money. Are we crazy? And I said to Noah, you know, I'm so sad. Little girl, we could have named her Lily. And he said, don't worry. I I think I think she's going to be back. Yeah, I just had this kind of uh, sense that even though she disappeared, she's got to come back. So a couple weeks later... She came back and she called us and said, I just want to let you know the lawyer that we are all working with is not giving me money. So I went to another agency and they presented me with other families, but the families were not wanting open adoption and I want open adoption. Yeah, they were only willing to do a closed adoption, which they actually have that ability to choose in Florida. Other states, such as Colorado, you don't have that choice. You have to do an open adoption and you and the birth mom decide what that's going to be. But she has the right to say what she wants before she has her baby. And because we were used to that in Colorado, open adoption was not a scary thing to us. And so we were we were fine with it, really, as long as we kind of made those boundaries beforehand and we knew what she wanted. You know, people have the birth mom at their house. I mean, they, they can be that open. For us, we were just like, we're not taking this baby. We'll sh- send you pictures. We'll show you how she's growing. And if you are there... I can just say that working with a birth mom, it helps a lot. It makes them feel like you're not taking the baby from them. They're not uh, have this huge loss. So if you can keep that in the back of your mind, that you would be open to that, sometimes it can really, really help you in this process. So because we said, hey, we're willing to work on that, she said, I, I came back to the other lawyer, but I have one other thing. I'm back with the birth dad, and we want to name the baby. I thought, there's no way that we're going to be able to do this. Our agency had trained us, though, to say, okay, yeah, well, what do you want to name the baby? So I said, okay, yeah, what do you want to name the baby? And she said, we want to name the baby Lily. When April told me that, I thought, again, there's no way. That can't be really what she wants to name the baby. We were so excited. We knew the baby's name was Lily. We didn't know the outcome, but the baby's name was Lily. No doubt. So I flew out. I met with them. I was in for a cultural experience. I had no idea their lifestyle. They lived in a drug hotel. She was on methadone, which is what the doctors prescribe. It's not methamphetamine. Methadone is a drug that doctors give birth moms if they're addicted to heroin. So I found out she had a heroin problem. 
She was taking methadone. She lived in this drug home. She also told me she was a prostitute. This was her ninth baby. Her second baby with this particular birth dad, she had none of her children. I took her to the doctor and I did not know about Medicaid and how it worked in Florida. It's horrible for those women in Florida. They were nine pregnant ladies were lined up. The nurse gave them all a cup to pee in and said, hold your pee in this cup. And I don't know when you're going to see the doctor. So we waited for hours. Finally, we just left. We didn't have time to go see the doctor. And they told me their whole story. And they said, well, we have a baby together that we had two years ago. And we couldn't get our acts together. And the state took the baby. We have no idea where that little boy is. And we don't want to do it again. We want to place this baby with a family that we know. And we know forever the baby is safe and okay, not bouncing around from home to home. So this is why we're choosing adoption. And I knew that they were serious about it. And so I flew home and I said, no, I don't know what we're getting involved with, but they're serious. And I, I love them. I don't know how this happened, but I feel that they are just very lost people. I remember when April told me that it brought me back to one of the first things that our adoption agency here in Colorado had told us, you always pray for your birth mom and you will learn and God will teach you how to love them. And seeing the love in April's heart for them really convinced me to continue to move forward in this journey. So a couple of weeks later, Carrie Ann calls me and she says, her, the birth mom's name is Carrie Ann, and she says, I- I'm in pain. This is my ninth baby and I know that this pain is not normal. So I said, no, I think we need to fly out there. His wonderful family opened their home to us And we flew out to Florida and we stayed with his family, who we call Auntie Johnny and Uncle Bob, who really, really helped us through this time. They were very loving. And I just want to say, if you are a family who is not adopting, but you know somebody who is, if you can love them and help them in any way you can, it will be such a blessing. You will become part of their story because we could not have done it if Noah's family did not open up their homes like that and didn't it was a safe place for us we had no idea what we were getting involved with they took care of AJ when we could not be there when we were at the hospital I mean they just stepped up there were so many people in this process who flew out to Florida to support us who prayed for us who were constantly involved and for this fight for baby Lily it was an incredible community of people April's friends flew out April's mom flew out to help us The, the support that we received I, there's no way we would, would have done it without it. So we take her to the hospital and every hospital is saying, nope, we won't take her. She has had no history of any medical care during this pregnancy. It's too high risk. She's not in labor. We're not taking her. Finally, we take her to this hospital. Happened to be the number one children's hospital in Florida. We had no idea. They admitted her, but the doctor came to me and said, I have to have her go home. She's not in labor. I said, look, I'm an adoptive mom. I flew out here from Colorado. I don't, I don't know what it's going to take, but will you just do an ultrasound? And she said, I think she just saw I was desperate yeah. in my eye. And she's like, okay, I'll do an ultrasound. She found that Carrie Ann had an accreta. So her uh, placenta had grown into her bladder and, and uterus. And she said, we need to do emergency surgery. If she would have gone into labor, she would have been dead and the baby in five minutes. So it was chaos. She came to the birth father and she said, look, I think Carrie Ann may not make it. Now your baby is going to make it, but Carrie Ann is trashed her body. She has blown out all of her veins. She has an IV uh, connected to her neck. That's the only vein they could find. And she's just not healthy. And she has to do a full hysterectomy. So Stephen, Stephen's birth dad, we just, we don't know. 
he freaks out. He's bawling. He's like, the this is the lawyer's fault. Mm -hmm. So I'm not working with that lawyer anymore. And if she dies, I'm keeping the baby. It's all I've got. He, he was completely frantic. And Noah and I are like, oh my goodness, what what's happening right now? We we're in this, and we're not even going to get the baby. He's going to keep the baby. And I just remember we're driving down the road and thinking, this is over our heads. We can't handle it. We can't do this. And we have a three-year-old. I mean, little AJ, what are we putting him through? Let's just go home. Yeah. And, and not to mention dealing with that attorney was just a nightmare. It was completely, completely hopeless. It felt like at that point. So we're driving down the road and we decided let's get AJ. Let's call the airline. Let's go home. This is overwhelming. And we drive past this giant billboard and it says, open your heart to Lily. That was the moment we knew. We didn't know what the rest of the story was going to be, but we knew. We were supposed to be involved. Until the very end, we needed to hold on to the very end. And maybe he was going to keep the baby. And maybe Carrie Ann was going to die. But we needed to be there because God was asking us to do that. And he gave us a sign. And I will say, this is one of the first times in my whole life, and I've been a Christian for a long time. This is one of the first times I had zero peace. It was just about doing the right thing. Sometimes people say, well, when you make a decision, peace follows. Understanding follows. I'll tell you, no understanding came. No peace came. It was a very uncomfortable feeling. But what I knew and what no one knew in, in our hearts is that this is the right thing. Just do the next step. So we turned around. We talked to Stephen. He said she is going to get emergency surgery tomorrow morning and baby will be delivered. And we said we will be there. It was crazy because we thought now we're on board again. Here's the journey continuing forward. And we became adoptive parents really to Stephen and Carrie Ann. It's incredible how that story is not just about the child, but we really fell in love and really loved on the birth parents. And I honestly think that that was so important for, for us to say, hey, this isn't, you go into it and you say, I want the baby. That's the end result. I just want the baby. And so I don't know what I have to do to get that baby. And God was saying, it's not right now about the baby. Pray for that baby. We are going to, you know, prayer warriors were being risen up. I mean, we had our churches praying. I mean, it was just everybody. But God was like, this is about the birth parents. I need you to have empathy. I need you to understand where they're coming from. And I need you to not be worried about the drugs. Because I know you're all thinking, what about the drugs? Was the mom doing heroin? Was she doing methadone? What? what was this baby going to look like? But God said, don't focus on that. I want you to be there for the birth parents. It was something that we could to this day are just convinced that even though we had said no before to a drug exposed baby, this was the story. This was the journey that God had taken us on. Now I want to tell you the whole story, but we're running out of time. If you would like to hear the story before our show before about AJ, you can go on our website. There's a podcast there. And I hope that you will join us next week because we're going to finish this story. We're going to talk about Lily and how she was born. We're going to talk about how we had to fire the lawyer and how intense that was, how we had to hire another lawyer. Carrie Ann was in ICU. We really did not know if she was going to make it. And Lily was rushed to the NICU. We said yes to six babies in five years, and this is our story. Thank you so much, Noah, for joining us. This has been Adoption Now, telling your adoption stories. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next Saturday at 9.30 a.m. on 670 KLTT.
Thanks for joining us for today's Adoption Now. If you would like to tell your story or for more information about Adoption Now, visit the website at adoption-now.com or find it on Facebook. And join us next week at the same time as we share another adoption story on 670 AM KLTT.